Hello, this is Bayo Fadjuba. We're so excited that you are joining us today. If you're a part of our DCH family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you. Please find us on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, or you can even join us on our website at www.dch.church. We can also get you plugged in via the Church Center app where you can find our connect groups, upcoming events, as well as given options if you would like to help us spread the gospel of Jesus everywhere. I hope this word today blesses you, encourages you, and inspires you to greatness. Let's get started. Good morning, this age. <laughs> My name is Imolela Dikboro. Um, this is my lovely husband. <laughs> um, okay, so we were having this, um, we're gonna have a panel discussion about um, relationship abuse. Um, but I'm gonna give a little bit of history on how we came about the script in the first place. Um, I remember it's almost 10 years ago that we got married, and we have a best friend that, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we, we, we had a best friend then that was um, going through a relationship abuse at the time. And um, at first, she didn't talk to us about it. She didn't mention anything about it. It was almost like a secret. Actually, what usually happened is we know the brother. The brother always speaking tongues. You know those brothers that will come to church and bamboozle you with Bible. <laughs> and you know, he will speak in tongues and everything. And he will go on social media and actually post um, good pictures of them. So um, we, I'm not really that expressive. So I, we don't go on social media to you know, show how much we care about each other. So we always feel like, ah, are we doing okay? <laughs> because this couple will go online and if he sees you, he will tell you, oh, you're not doing well. You know, um, look at me and my, uh, and my girlfriend. We're doing, we're doing very good. You know, we were like, thank God for you guys, right? You know, and then I think months before our wedding, um, my friend came to me and was like, um, I don't think we're doing really well, you know, um, and she found a way to confide in me and I was like, I beg, <laughs> exit, I don't understand, you know, and I was really encouraging for that. I was all about it. I was like, no, we gotta go, you know, um, to the point that police actually would come whenever he raises his voice on her and, you know, all of that. <laughs> so um, I think on our traditional wedding was when she came and she was like, I left him. And I was like, this is the best wedding gift that you can give me. You know, I was so happy. And, um, and as we even go into our own marriage, we have issues and all of that, right? And I thought about it. I was like, why do people come to church and where? You know, a very smiley, no issue, um, dress well, makeup, everything. And that's why the name is Makeup. So um, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to write something. You know, we are going to write something to educate couples and, you know, you know, bring the story out there and let people learn that in church, we come to church, but at the same time, we should, you know, be able to talk about this kind of issues, even in church. So that's why, that's why we're having these discussions today. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, when, when she, it's funny because when you watch this, you don't see the background. 
But the title makeup, we had a huge debate because I said it's too, it's too evident. It should be more subtle. But now that we're saying this, um, it makes a lot more sense to me because makeup typically is used to conceal, right? So you're trying to conceal something that you want, you want to present a picture to others, right? And even to yourself, you want to present a picture. But when you conceal things, and I'm speaking metaphorically now, when you conceal things and they're not revealed, right, then they can't be resolved. And I think that's the issue with things like this, is that even at church, right, it's uncomfortable to talk about things like this. So, so we keep them concealed and we don't speak about them, right? And what inevitably happens is that it's only when people pay the final sacrifice for issues like this that then we can bring it up and everybody will say, why wasn't it brought up earlier? You know, but I think what's sad is, and the irony was earlier on when the guy and the girl were in the car and she says, ah, she feels bad and she doesn't want to come to church to talk about this kind of thing because the issues they're having. You know, and it's ironic because it'd be similar to, to say a, a patient saying they feel ashamed of going to the hospital, right? Because church is where we should feel comfortable discussing this and this type of thing and resolving this type of thing, right? So as we have these discussions, I'm very happy Pastor Vion says that Pastor Son let us do this because as we have these kind of discussions, hopefully people will feel more comfortable coming to church and bringing it, bringing it up, right? And church won't be just a place where we do virtual signaling Olympics, right? Everybody's trying to show how virtuous they are. You can actually come and be who you are and speak to the struggles that we're having. So... Um, I guess we will get started. And this issue is, there's lots of opinions on the ways to handle it. Even my wife and I had lots of debates this morning before we came to church. And that's why it's good to have different opinions so we can hear from different angles and then form a robust understanding of, uh, of the challenges that folks are facing and how we deal with this. So with that said, I, I think what we'll do is we'll get all the panelists to introduce themselves and say how long they've been married and then we'll go from there and ask a couple of questions. So if we can start from here, please, ma'am. Do you want to introduce us, I should? <laughs> I can. <laughs> Good morning, church. Um, thank you for having us here. Um, thank you for what we just watched. My name is Dupe Kutei, and this is my handsome husband, Olusegu Kutei. We've been married for going on to 22 years in August. Praise God. And my beautiful wife. Good morning. Good morning, church. Uh, thank you so much for that uh, clip. Uh, it was sent to me yesterday, but I deliberately did not watch it because I didn't want to think about it. I wanted to have that shock effect of really of seeing it. But my name is Ayo Ogunye. This is my husband, Wale Ogunye. I say that he's the one that loves me the most and is the one that stresses me the most. So, <laughs> what are we? And we've been married this year 29 years. I did watch it yesterday, and I said it would be irresponsible without researching. So I started researching what marital abuse is, and I got overwhelmed by what it is. And one of the, I told my wife this morning because she has a degree, a master's in counseling. I said this is a huge area, a big area because I went to boarding school, and I cut grass in FGC my degree, and we used to fight in FGC my degree, and seniors used to conk your head. And I travel by train from my degree to Lagos. So I'm toughened. And so what you might consider non-marital abuse is life to me. My wife is a butter who used to go to England in days of British Caledonia. And so she thinks I was abused. 
So it turns now that many of the issues we are going to discuss is in many dimensions, cultural, social, and many things. And so let's do that. Praise God. All right, uh, thank you very much. So uh, I was voted to speak this morning. <laughs> All right, so my name is Michael Afote. Uh, my wife, uh, Abigail Afote, we have been married. So this year will be 15 years. And we also uh, saw the video uh, uh, this morning and uh, when we watched it, initially we thought the problem was going to be with the, the, the young you know, family, uh, but uh, it, it, it turns out that it, it was more on the, on the pastor, you know, and the wife. You know, the young ones had their own issues too. And uh, we, we thought it was a good thing. Uh, and, and we take this time to say, uh, God bless you, Pastor Bay. I know you normally sit at the back, Pastor Bay and Pastor Tom, uh, for, for putting this together. And I know that uh, through this, uh, many lives will be touched. And God richly bless you for all you do for this house. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Apote, and, and everybody else. So I think we, what we'll start with is just let all of us have a baseline understanding of what um, abuse is, right? So, um, hold on, domestic violence, right, and abuse. Because, uh, like he alluded to, I think sometimes, it's not subjective, right, but there's various degrees of this, right? Some people, there's emotional abuse, right? There's physical abuse. So I, I just want us to get kind of a baseline understanding of what it is. So if you could just help us with what you think your belief of the definition of domestic abuse and domestic violence is. And if there's a difference between both of those even. Yes, so researching on abuse, I know that abuse is misuse or mistreat. So you either mistreat someone or you misuse the person. You're married. Do you mistreat your partner or do you misuse your partner? What do we do as Christians? We are supposed to love one another. Love one another as yourself. Christ taught us to imitate him. We are supposed to be imitators of Christ. But why is there abuse? Not in the world, but in the church. Because the fear of God is missing. We don't have the fear of God. And we have false standards. We've set false standards for ourselves. We are looking up to the world instead of looking into the word of God. Because growing up, last week I was talking to Minister Abby, and she asked me this question. Which memory verse do you remember as a child? And I said, Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do we have a word in our hearts? We don't even have time to read the word, but we have time to go on social media and look at what is happening, and that has set our standards. Most of the time, we're going to marriages with false expectations and false standards, forgetting that we are both imperfect people and we are all work in progress. So if we are work in progress and we are imperfect, what do we do? My dad says that, we go to school for how many years? You go to elementary, you go to um, middle school, high school, college, and then after 60 or 65, you retire. If the Lord doesn't call you, you live in your marriage your entire life. How many years or how many months or weeks of marriage counseling do we have or postmarital counseling do we have? 
And these things, because we, we have this, uh, we have set those false standards and we don't educate ourselves as Christians to go into the word, we have a lot of abuse in the church, not outside of the church. Hallelujah. All right, so I'll briefly add uh, uh, to, to it. You know, if you look at the word abuse, it's repeated, cruel, and violent, you know, uh, treatment of another person. So, so look at the word repeated. It means that first and second and third. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed, and I've talked to a, a couple of friends who've had this issue, is that when it happens the first time, they, they just go through that casual apology and move on. You know, and you don't address the, address the issue head on and seriously. This thing becomes like a revolving door. So the next time the person does it again, or, and you can tell from the video that the gentleman will say, how many times do I have to apologize for the same thing? You know, so it's like it's been happening on and on. So one of the things that uh, you will have to understand is that uh, if it happens the first time, you have to address it. Don't just go in for the casual apology. Oh, I'm sorry for this. You know, it won't happen again. If you think it's a problem, address it and make sure that the individual understands that this cannot happen again. And I pray that God will help us as we go through this. Amen. Sorry, so just one general question before we go to the next question. I just want to ask you, so it sounds like you had mentioned the mistreatment of the other person can be considered abuse. But you know, say, say a couple is arguing, right? Or they're yelling at one another. I know there's sometimes that I have maybe hurt my wife or not treated her the best way, and I've apologized for that. But <laughs> there are times when we've had issues. Then would that be considered abuse? Or when, when does it go from, you know, couples having an argument and having, you know, their de debates to where it's considered a form of abuse, you know? Or from, even from the emotional to the, to the physical, right? Because there's a spectrum, right? And I, I'm just trying to get a feel for where the line is crossed. All right, so, you, okay, so if you look at, you know, disagreement, like we said, you know, different people come into marriage, you know, with different ideas and how to handle different issues. So, uh, you know, to agree means, you know, you consent to somebody's idea, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so disagreement is the opposite of that. And because we have different ideologies, you know, in how things, you know, okay, or things need to be done, there will be that disagreement and, and you have to talk it over. Now, when it comes to abuse, uh, that is when the, the, the abuser does or acts in a way to, to kind of, if it's emotional, to kind of reduce the self-esteem of that person, okay? So, so he, the person might say, you, you, you never do anything good, right? If the person tells you that now, you think about it. if it keeps repeating that, you know, you will get to a point where you think, well, after all, I can't get anything done right. You know, maybe you might be in your education or trying to improve yourself, and maybe you fail your exams. In your mind, you know the one that loves you most tells you you can't do anything good. Lowering your self-esteem, that will be abuse. 
and that mm. is the difference between thank the two. You. Thank, thank you, so you. thank you so much. Um, so just to add a little bit, we're gonna have Menti code. Um, I think we should display the Menti code. We want everybody to contribute. If you have any question, we want you to go in there, you know, ask your question, and then we'll be able to. Um, if you have time, hopefully, you'll be able to like take one or two questions. And if you also have answers that you want to contribute as well, please, you can signal and they will bring the mic to you as well. Um, so we're just going to move forward. Um, so do, do any of you have any intake on the definition of domestic abuse or how, when do you, you know, stop or walk away if it's, if it's too hard? I'll start and then I think my wife will compliment it. Okay. Since I've been a student since yesterday, I will tell you what they say now. It's very interesting because I've been educated. It says from the National Violence website, or I didn't even know the United Nations defined it, and CDC defines abuse as a disease or sickness. It says a repeated behavior to control or have power over somebody. And so you ask the question once, if, if two couples are just being cantagorous and being mean to each other, it's one thing. The end result of abuse is to dominate, okay, sorry, I'm a deliverance minister, is to control, is to empower. And at this stage, I forgot to mention something. Normally you say thank you, Pastor Bayo, for giving you on a committee. This one I would say, Pastor Bayo, thank you for putting me on fire. Because I've been <laughs> nervous since yesterday, because this is a big area. But the end it appears, as it is defined, is to control, to have power. And like Pastor Aforte said, the end, one of the end results is to remove self-esteem, self-worth, make you go crazy. And so it is deeper. And Mrs. Almost Green. like make you doubt yourself, you know, and your self-esteem, yeah. Well, I'm just gonna add to that that it's consistent and intentional misuse of something abuse and in this case we're talking about humans so it's consistent you're consistently doing it even though they apologize and they say sorry and it's intentional like okay this person has upset me and this is how I choose to react so it's a choice also to misuse something that is supposed to benefit you so in this case if you're talking about marital abuse your wife or your husband is supposed to be a benefit and to be a help to you, but then you're consistently and you're intentional about it, like, okay, she upset me, this is what I'm going to say, because I'm hoping that if uh, one of the spouses, and it's not just men, men and women too, say something, something bad or something not so nice, I'm going to guess that they know what they've said and they're expecting a reaction. You know, so when you say something, you're expecting a reaction. Mm -hmm. So just to be aware that abuse it can be loosely defined and it can be defined technically, but bottom line, what it is, is consistently intentional misusing something that is supposed to be your benefit. Mm. Thank you. So, um, so according to the Bible, it said God hates divorce. And so we're going to start with you. It said God hates divorce and all of that. And I've heard many Christians, you know, use that verse to stay in abusive relationship. So when do you decide as a, as a child of God, to leave. Should I, maybe I should start. Oh, thank you. Um, so that's a very interesting question because the number of people kind of get into the debate of, well, you are suffering physical abuse, should you leave or should you, should you endure? And we know a lot of things have been on the social media lately about that. 
And I'll say it simply, it really isn't so much about marriage, it's about anything. If you're exposed to violence, there is a natural instinct that you would want to run. I mean, it doesn't require any special digging into the scriptures or anything. When Jesus Christ was a baby and Herod was killing little children, God woke Joseph up at night and said, carry that baby and run. And that was God. God could have done so many things. But I say that, I say that with the, within the context of it's running, running away to exploit an opportunity to ensure that you have a success, a successful marriage. You know, there's a different, running away could be, I'm done. The Lord Jesus Christ came back to where he needed to complete his assignment. So he ran when he was a baby, essentially. And, and I say that because a number of people view marriage within the context of it does, if it doesn't work, I'm done. And I was trying to open uh, a portion of the scriptures in Matthew chapter 19, since you talked about divorce. So the, the Pharisees came to him, and I'm reading from the message version. Matthew 19 from verse 3. One day the Pharisees were badgering him. Is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He answered, haven't you read in your Bible that the creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves father and mother and his family bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh. No longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his heart by cutting them apart. Then they showed back in rebuke and said they were essentially challenging Jesus. If that's so, why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Jesus said, Moses provided for divorce as a concession to your hard-heartedness, but it is not part of God's original plan. I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I make an exception in cases where the spouse has committed adultery. In verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the times of marriage, we haven't got a chance. Why get married? But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. Please pay attention to that verse. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some, from birth seemingly, never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. And I think there's a lot of pressure in the society today. I was reading last week uh, uh, some, uh, some parents in India, they sued their son uh, for damages for not giving them a grandchild. I don't know if anybody else read it. Oh yeah, it was in the news. You can go on the internet and search for it. They, were, they listed, they, they sued for damages. They listed all they have spent on the child since childhood. And then he got married for years, himself and his wife, they just chose not to have a baby. So they took him to court. There's a lot of pressure in our society about marriage. Somebody should get married. This one, but Jesus was telling us, look, this is not just something you, you want to advertise yourself about. It is serious. So even in a case of abuse, running away doesn't mean I'm done. Running away means that something has gone wrong. Let me take a step aside and invest in fixing what has gone wrong. Because if, you, if everybody abandons marriage and runs away, then the society is essentially damaged. And the one who was there originally when the marriage institution was created, he said, look, 
Moses may have given you that, that divorce option for convenience. I'm sure they probably disturbed Moses for a long time. He said, look, before you kill me, if you are not ready to marry, just divorce and go. But Jesus said, no, it's not supposed to be. I don't know if you want to ask. Well, I, thank, you. thank you so much. Um, I think you said a lot about that. But I just wanted to look at that um, last aspect in that scripture that says, but if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. And I wanted to say that when it comes to marriage, it's between two people who have decided to become one with God. And so it will take a lot of effort, a lot of growing to be able to accommodate so much in marriage. And I wanted to look at what um, has worked for us um, as a couple. And, and also relate that to the movie or the um, film we watched. The fact that we want to be sensitive to one another's needs and make sure that we're working together as one in the marriage. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. I remember that when we first got married, I had to learn to know him because we're from different backgrounds. What I thought was okay with me may not be okay with him. And these are the little things that can begin to trigger strife, trigger problems in the marriage. For instance, for him, I know that presentation matters, um, the way his wife is turned out. And I connected to that in the sense that I want to be someone he will be proud to introduce when we're outside in public. And so if he wants me to be properly packaged, I will align with that just so that I can make him happy. Even though it may not be at um, a comfort level for me, but it's a step that I'm willing to take. It's something that I want to work on. I know that some of us may think otherwise and say, oh, it's my life, it's my body and all of that. I can do what I want to do. He just has to be okay with it. But I didn't do that. And thank God for pastor's wives. Um, my former pastor, when we were back in Nigeria, I had this haircut that I had on for years. No, not years, a very long time, let me say. And I was speaking with her one day, and she was like, why do you still have this hair? And I was like, oh, I love it. It's easy to maintain. I have children. I go around. I can do whatever I want with this. And she was like, have you asked your husband before if he likes it? And I was like, my haircuts. What has that got to do with everything? You know? But I got home that day, and I asked him, what do you think about this hair? Do you? And he's a very quiet man, as you would see. And I was like, what do you think? I was expecting him to say, whatever works for you. He was like, oh, you can change it for the time being. And I was like, really? For this man to have said this, it must have been that he's been suffering this thing for so long. You know? And I took a step back. And of course, it was convenient for me, but I decided to change it. Praise God. And this one has been on for a while. Praise this the one, Lord. I will change it soon. Praise God. And so, you Praise know, the Lord. for some, it may not be easy to do things like that. And there are so many instances like that. I just wanted to show why it's important for us to just work together right from the onset. And this happened very early in marriage. And Thank that has so helped much. us a lot, Thank you considering so much. one Praise another. God. So it's not just about me alone. He also does that. I know that. All right. Praise God. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, ma'am. So another question that I quickly wanted to ask. Because of, I mean, there's a stat, statistic out there that says that one in three women uh, 
face some form of abuse, and I don't remember if it was one in five men, but with those type of statistics, it means that it's very probable that one majority of us know somebody or have seen, or maybe the ones that are even experiencing this. And the thing is, when my wife and I were discussing this, this question was phrased as, what should the church do about this? But really, the church is, it's, it's about us, right? All of us as individuals make up the church. So I don't want to pass accountability to an organization and just say the church, right? What can each of us do? You know, if we see someone going through this, or if we ourselves are going through this, because again, there's that shame, right? And that stigma with it, that people don't want to come out, right? And, and say this, as well as you don't want to interfere in somebody else's relationship, right? But at the same time, people have died because people didn't intervene, right? So how do we straddle that line between obviously not getting into somebody's relationship, but still, you know, looking out for one another? The Bible says that we should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. The church is quick to speak. We all have issues, and I have a sister who maybe comes to tell me her problem, shares a problem with me. This is a real example that someone shared with me, that the husband says her mouth smells. She has bad breath. So he's not comfortable sleeping on the same bed. And this sister, you know, it's someone who already has a low self-esteem. And the husband says, when they go out, you know, the, the guy is, is a leader in the church. And he's, he's an evangelist, let me say that. But the wife needs someone to speak to, and she's been hiding that. Who does she talk to? She tells me, and then I tell my husband, or I tell a friend. And then everybody in the church gets to know. That's our problem. We talk too much. You see, so if, if I'm suffering and if, if I have a problem, I keep it and I suffer. But everybody needs someone to talk to. In the short clip we watched, the pastor's wife asked, who do we go to? The lady said, you talk to God. They have a human problem. They don't have a God problem. That's a human problem. You see, let's learn to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Sometimes somebody doesn't need you to say something. All they need is a listening ear. That's all someone needs. You know, and if we are able to listen and just pray with those people. You know, the person tells you something. I had a friend, she's passed on. She had issues in her marriage. The, the husband was a leader in my previous church. When she tells me some things, I just listen and I say, let's pray. Now she kept coming. She was telling me everything, you know, and that helped her a lot. And then you also know you have to work on yourself. So let's learn as a church to tighten our lips and pray for each other. That is when they abuse because I have a sister in the church. If she opens her mouth, her background, they just talk anyhow. So she'll tell the husband, you are useless. You are this. You are that. You know, what is your use? It's, it's because of the way she grew up. And she's trying to work on herself. Don't judge her. And that might be an abuse to the man. 
You see, we always think about the women being abused, but the men also go through abuse. In, the, in this country, a lot of their homes that maybe the woman goes to work and the man has to stay home. As a Christian, how do you handle your man? Do you still respect him? Because he's home, he's taking care of the kids, or you have a better job, or you are paid better than him. Don't abuse him. Still submit to him. Let's not forget that the men also receive abuse. We always think about slapping and kicking and hitting as the abuse, which is the main thing. But the emotional abuse yeah. is the number one. Thank you so much. Let me just ask. Let me just... So, from here, do you have any advice on that as well? Just with regards to, you know, people that are going through this, or if you're a friend of someone going through it, just, you know, what advice we can give to people? So I'm going to say that with an example. Um, I, I, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I think that sometimes we're not vulnerable, and that's what it is. So we put a facade, you know, you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're this, and you want to act that everything is right. And that's because of what she said. You don't want people to judge you. There's, there are couples, my husband and I are here. I knew him for 11 years. We dated for 11 years before we got married. So I've known him for, I don't even know how many years at this point, I can't count. So there's always going to be, the background is totally different. I mean, when I met him, I was like, okay. You know, there are a lot of things that I had to learn. Um, but for me, he was always trying to find a way to make things work because he recognized that. He was always teasing me that, oh, you're the only one in your house that didn't go to boarding house, this, that, and the other. And now I'm always saying, oh, people that went to boarding house, they were abused, they don't know how to do this. So he was always looking for a way to find that balance. So we went to a program called uh, Family Life, Weekend Family Life. And honestly, that was eye-opening because in that program, they had us go back and look at our background and understand what are you dealing with? What are you working with? Mm. You chose to marry this person. This person is a traditional person. You are a conventional person <laughs> or you are a contemporary person. How do you do it? And then we became vulnerable. So he will say it and he can correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard him say, you know, I'm still working on it. I still do some things and I'm still, I, I'm still working on being a good husband even after um, even almost 30 years. He still says it. So it's being vulnerable. When people see that, then it's easy to say in church because not people just put on that front. Like that movie, that lady was able to share with that lady because she touched her and they had a common ground. She touched her, she asked her a good question and she felt comfortable to say it like that. I doubt, and probably because she met them for the first time. Think about it. If it's somebody that has been coming to church for a while, she probably wouldn't have said as much as she said because this is the first time I'm meeting you. I may never see you again. So that's another thing that I saw in that movie. So for the church, having conversations like this are very, very important. For the church, being vulnerable and letting us know that we are here, but we still have a disagreement sometimes where I say, no, I'm not doing this, and he'll say this, this, and that. But what are we doing about it? Are we at least acknowledging it? Now I know that some things, that's just how he is. He went to boarding house, so there are some things that won't change. And he also understands that for me, there's some things I don't understand, but not to use that as a way of hiding. And people that are close to us, they will tell you that they know because he says it, I say it. So being vulnerable and not putting up a facade like, oh, you know, oh no, this is perfect, when it's not perfect, which is probably what that pastor and his wife were doing. 
Praise God. So we have many questions. Um, and then we're, we're going to ask that question and then we're going to come back to you, sir. Um, so if we can display the question, that would be good. Yes, so for Menti, um, there are a few comments and there are a few questions. So I'll, I'll make uh, a, a point about a few comments and then I'll ask one question. So here goes uh, some of the comments. Domestic abuse can also be regarded as neglect or failure to recognize goodness in another person. So failure to recognize goodness or acknowledge goodness in another person can also be regarded as abuse. So, uh, that's a comment from someone. And also, uh, someone also mentioned that abuse is the excessive use of something. So the excessive use of your anger, as mm. an example, is uh, another comment. And then another comment is uh, abuse could also happen when it's not intentional, because I think it's been mentioned about intentional, um, in, in, intentionally you know, hurting somebody else. But uh, a comment here says it could also be even when it's not intentional. And then let me go to maybe one or two questions. So a, a question is around emotional and verbal abuse. So I think the, the comment is really for us to elaborate more on that because I think a lot of uh, a lot of the focus has been maybe more on the physical so can we talk about emotional verbal abuse and when is it okay to walk away because we focused a lot on walking away when one is going through physical abuse but what about uh, emotional verbal and financial abuse I, do you want to take that sir okay the court, two things, if you permit me, in, in piggybacking off the last thing that was said, one, from what my wife said, we really have the time when we get married to get the right counseling and follow up. And so my sister was talking of her friend, talking to her. I'll suggest if you're in Dominion Chapel, if you are unhappy, miserable, or in danger, please call Pastor Bayon, Pastor Tone. One that is in the process of setting up a marriage counseling department here. Because if you talk to your friend and you just pray, and somebody gets killed or maimed at that time, you'll feel guilty. It has to be actionable. And in Dominion, Pastor B and Pastor T are open to that, and a structure is being put in place. And secondly, we have to invest. Years ago, Pastor Adeshino, Professor Adeshino, used to teach marriage counseling. And I thought, this is nonsense. What are you teaching five love languages, etc.? Till one day, my children and my wife wrote a letter to me that I was a bad father, a bad husband, <laughs> because I was really a Nigerian father raising up in an American family. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. So I had to read the Chapman books to know the five love languages of teenagers, of children and wife. Can you imagine a man who grew up in Nigeria? So I had to go back to Professor Deshino to repent. I don't think I repented to Pastor Bayo that those trainings in Galveston was not a waste of time. Now, having said that, and then on the issue of divorce, please, if you touch my daughter or anybody close to me, I'll let you know I went to FGC, my degree, we'll come at you. I will pray. True, because if you are crazy enough to hurt somebody, we'll tell you we can equally meet you. But that being said, if your life is in danger, call the pastor. Please, don't pray your way into debt. Please. And then finally, on the questions on the ground, 
we are going to plead with Pastor B and Pastor T that we are going to have a day forum to expatiate on all these things. Because most of the time we are talking of symptoms. At times, the behaviors are because of what you learned, what you saw. And if we are going to train Christian marriages, we have to have the job, we have to methodically be able to tell you how you are thinking, how it misaligns with Christ so that we can live correctly. Because you can be an Igbo husband, a Yoruba husband. I choose to be a Christian husband. For example, my wife has no in-law problems. My wife, my mommy doesn't disturb her. Exactly, because I have tried to be a Christian husband. And so, that's my little contribution that, please, if you're in trouble, reach out to Pastor B and T. There is help in the house. And maybe I'll simplify the question that they asked. But, and I don't know if there's any quick answer to it, but the question of, is, would there be any scenario where emotional abuse would reach the level that it would warrant divorce? You know, I, we, we speak a lot about violence, right? But is there any scenario where like, that emotional abuse is, reaches a level where you say you're leaving? So for me, the way I look at it is physical abuse, you hit somebody, you can kill them. But emotional abuse, a person can go into deep depression and they can still die. I mean, they can still have mental health issues. I know of a person that, my husband I know, and I know the person, emotional abuse became depression, become bipolar, and she walks in our neighborhood, and when I see this woman, oh my God, I just look at her like, wow. So yeah, it's the same thing. You walk away without, I mean, you tell someone, you look at it because, okay, everybody's different. You might be stronger than somebody else. Again, going back to my husband, he always says that I'm not as strong as my sister. But everybody's level of their emotional threshold is different. So if somebody becomes depressed and then become bipolar, deep depression, they can go into a deep depression and they can die from that. So how is that different from physical? No, I don't. Yeah, I just wanted to add a little bit to that. I'm okay. not sure if my husband would like to as well. But I know that somebody described um, emotional abuse as, sorry, uh, yeah, or verbal abuse as emotional terrorism. And that is pretty much what it is. And I want to make an appeal that our words really matter. The Bible even tells us that, you know, the power of life and death, they're in this tongue. So please, if we do things like that, nagging, it goes even beyond the couple. A child, a children or a child hearing conversations that are, you know, killing in quotes, it sets them up for like a cycle like this. It sets them up for depression and all sorts that we've talked about. So please, let's begin to check our words. We've talked about being sensitive. I wanted to also say that too. Please watch what you say to your husband. Watch what you say to your wives. You can heal, you can break with your words. If I can just quickly give an example. Initially, when we just got married, if my husband gets dressed for church, don't be offended, he can put on a tie that I'm like, wow, why this color? And instead of keeping quiet, I would say, ah, what is this? You know? I know you don't know colors. Can't you think of a better thing to, you know? And I'll find my husband wearing the thing, putting it on, because the approach was wrong. But the Holy Spirit ministered to me one day and said, can you try it differently? Say it like this. And I changed the way, rather than laugh when I see him or do something in that regard, <laughs> I would say something that is sweet and encouraging. Before I knew it, he would be the one to come back to me and say, do you think this one rhymes? 
if it doesn't rhyme, I will find a nice way of saying no, and then we change it. So our words really, really matter. And the damage is so much when we are not careful about what we are saying or what we are doing. I pray before we leave, some of us would have been ministered to, but I know that today the conversation continues even with house fellowships. Please join the house fellowship if you still have questions. Follow up today on whatever it is that you may need answers on. And I pray the Holy Spirit will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and this conversation, like she said, is, it won't end here. Um, you know, it will continue, <laughs> hopefully, in our fellowships. And also, um, when couples sign up for couples... Um, what, Marriage counseling, we make it a deal because we went through like, was it like four months of vigorous marriage counseling? What was, what was the focus of this was don't have sex before marriage, holiness and you know, all those things which are so important, right? But at the same time, we need to take time to actually include those in our curriculum and you know, actually test how do your, um, your fiance, how does she get upset? How does this person react to anger? You know, those conversations are very, very important, right? And that's how we don't repeat circle, right? Like we don't want to just be, you know, keep having this conversation every time. We want to move from reactive to proactive, you know? So because um, a minister died recently and everybody is like, oh my God, why did she die? You know, things like that. But we should not wait till that happens. That's that's too far, you know, that's, we've waited too long, you know, so we want to be able to catch it before it happens, and we should be able to take our stand and say, don't marry this person, this person is going to kill you in the next 10 years, I don't think you should marry this person, you know, um, and we should be able to say that, you know, and if they still choose, everybody has a choice. At the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, people have choices, right? You can't force them to do what they have, what they want to do. But it's it's good to make that very, very clear during those marriage counseling sessions. Um, I think that's it. Do you have anything to um, add? The only thing I'll say is that I mean, you know, this is a very broad topic, and we can't obviously resolve everything here. But if there's one thing I can take from everything we've said is each of us as individuals should try to be the person that people can talk to. You know what I mean about these kind of issues, right? Be open to being vulnerable to one another. Be open to, to, not, to not spreading word when somebody tells you something, right? I think if we all attempt to do that one thing, and if you're going through this, you know, if it's passed by, you need to talk to. Find somebody that you can talk to about it. Sometimes, I find this with myself, I'll be angry about something and I'll be like, ah, should I really be angry? Should I not be angry? If somebody's, I find it an emotional abuse. When I was reading about it, a lot of the people, they think to themselves, well, is it my fault that this person is treating me this way? And then they internalize it. But if you're asking yourself those kinds of questions, then it warrants at least having a conversation with somebody else to validate whether or not, you know, this is an issue. So uh, that's what I'm taking out of it. And I, yeah, okay. Uh, and so with that said, I think... Um, yeah, I just wanted to add something real quick. You know, when we have conversations like this, it brings up all kinds of things for people. So for some people, they're probably going through some type of pain, maybe for themselves or somebody they know, or for some people, they're having flashbacks, maybe growing up, and they experienced emotional, physical abuse or whatever. Please don't leave this sanctuary feeling like you're hanging, like, okay, now we've talked about all of this. I'm not talking to anybody. The ministers are here. Pastor Bayer, Pastor Tone, they're here maybe there's a trusted person here. Even if it's just to tell them that, wow, I just heard what I heard and I'm just feeling uncomfortable. 
just hold my hand or just let me cry on your shoulder or whatever. Please don't just walk away with, because in counseling, you don't want to just open something and it's like, okay, now I heard all of this. I'm going home feeling this way and all that. So please, I just appeal to everyone here. The ministers are here, pastors, whoever you feel comfortable with, even if you don't want to share what it is, just say, can I just hold your hand and cry and do what you need to do so that you get a release as you leave. Thank you so much for being a part of our message today. If you enjoyed the message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media. You can also jump on our website, www.dch.church, and click the given link to help us spread the word and the good news all over the world. Stay connected and God bless you. Have a great week.